Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Dave. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. It is episode 80. It is January 2019. And we're all still in that fog, I think, of just starting the whole new year. And if you're not in that fog, that probably means that you're a leader and you're already thinking about how can I get the most out of my team in 2019. Well, today, that's what we're going to be talking about. I am here in the Think Orange Bunker, as always, which I'm now calling the Think Orange Porter John. And typically, I'm in here with somebody, but today I'm not. I'm in here all on my own. But our producer, Kevin, K-Daddy, is on the outside, and I'm just going to... K-Daddy, are you there? Are you there, K-Daddy? Can you hear me? I hear you. I hear you. Hey, K-Daddy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Are friend. you having a great start to the year? So far, so good. I am so glad to hear that. Hey, K-Daddy, I've got a question for you. Today, we're going to be talking about techniques for getting the best out of your team. And I know that we normally typically speak to church leaders and youth ministry leaders and things like that. Okay. But I wanted to ask you, have you ever led a team? And if so, what was the biggest team you led? Well, I was a restaurant manager. A restaurant manager? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many staff underneath you? Oh my, at least 50 something. 50? Yeah. And, and what was the restaurant? Do you, are you allowed to say? I probably would. I'm, I'm not sure they even still exist. Golden Corral. No, that wouldn't have been. <laughs> um, so what is your tip? If you had one tip for getting the best out of a team, regardless of what industry they work in or regardless yeah. of the size, what would that be from your years of experience? You have to empower them. Empower yeah, them. Empower that's, them. That's really good. Why is that so important to empower? Well, one thing, if a person knows you believe in them and you're, help, and you're encouraging them to do certain things, if they know you believe, they'll reach out and go all over for you. Well, there it is. That's today's episode done and dusted right there. (laughs) If you can empower your team and let them know that you believe in them, then they will go uh, to great lengths for you. Hey, Daddy, thank you so much. That is absolutely awesome. Hey, for all of you who are listening, I know that if you've been in ministry for longer than just a couple of months, you've probably already discovered that you need more than just yourself to accomplish the vision that you've been given or to accomplish the things that are on your to-do list. And that's what we're talking about today. You're going to be hearing from not just K-Daddy, but you're also going to be hearing from Doug Fields. Doug is the Executive Director of Homewood Center for Youth and Family Ministries at Azusa Pacific University. He's the co-founder of DownloadYouthMinistry.com and and he's the author of more than 50 books. And we're also going to be hearing from Amber Baker, who is a children's pastor at Azusa Pacific University and a coach at KidMenCoach.com. Now together, they have more than 50 years of experience in ministry, and they're going to share all the things that they've learned about maximizing the potential of your team. We were lucky enough to have Sarah Bragg and my good friend, Dan Scott, interview Amber at Orange Conference 2018. Speaking of, today's episode is proudly, proudly brought to you by Orange Conference 2019. That's right, 2019. Now, Orange Conference is a three-day conference in Atlanta, Georgia for your entire family ministries team. And here's the thing. Did you know that there's a reason? I don't know if you're still listening, K-Daddy, but did you know that there's a reason why some volunteers have a deeper commitment? There's a reason why some parents engage at a more practical level, why some ministries make a greater impact and some churches have a wider influence. There's a reason why some leaders leave a lasting mark. It happens when they make it personal. Wow. 
<laughs> your enthusiasm for the Orange Conference blows me away. There's also, here's another thing for you. Ready for this? Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Things changed when Jesus called Zacchaeus by name, when he addressed the Samaritan woman's past, when he spent time in Mary and Martha's home, when he invited each individual disciple to follow him, and when he intercepted Saul on the road to Damascus. Do you want to know what made a difference? What made a difference? It... <laughs> What made a difference was that Jesus got personal. Wow. And here's the great thing. At Orange Conference 2019, you're going to learn how to make your ministry personal in the lives of the next generation. So make sure you go and register right now. Stop everything that you're doing. If you're driving your car, pull over, turn the engine off, and then pick up your phone and go to theorangeconference.com, theorangeconference.com. Make sure you register for Orange Conference 2019. You will not want to miss it. I'm going to be there. I know it's going to be amazing. You're going to see K-Daddy running around with a flag and streamers, and he's acting like one of those blow-up guys that you see at car dealers, you know, that sort of thing. He's so excited about Orange Comfort 2019. I don't know if he is. Are you? I'm excited. Good for you. Well done. Well, we're going to get straight into today's content. Here is a clip that we picked out from Mr. Doug Fields. For 30 years, I've been on a church staff, 11 years uh, at one, 19 at another, played a lot of different roles, mostly, you know, always in the youth ministry role, but being on an executive team, being uh, over a group of leaders, being family ministry, the whole bit, I've, I've had to do a lot of my ministry leading other people. See, there was a little bit of a bait and switch in my life as I came to Christ as a teenager, and when I came to Christ, really, before that, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and then... <laughs> I realized you had to be good at something uh, to be a professional, and so I wasn't good, so I became a Christian, and I loved, fell in love with my, my uh, youth pastor, and uh, I, I wanted to be a youth pastor because he helped me meet Jesus, and so what I thought is, if I go in the youth ministry route, I can play the games and do the talking thing and hang out with kids and eat pizza, and how great is that? And then I actually went to Bible college and seminary, and I got on a church team, and I realized that the bait and switch was, if you want to be effective, it's not just hanging out with kids. If you want to be effective, you actually have to develop leaders. And even when I went into large churches, you know, both churches, one church I was at, uh, Mariner's Church in Southern California, was the fast-growing church in the country in the 80s, and what we realized is that we couldn't staff to the capacity in which we grew. Then I went to Saddleback Church, which was booming, and we realized the same thing. What I began to value was not the great communicators, not even necessarily the great strategic thinkers or the people who could write curriculum. What I began to value was the people who could lead others well. Does that make sense? That if you can lead others well, that you can actually um, enhance your ministry, you can grow your ministry, you can scale with your ministry. So really what I'm talking about, Reggie asked me to do something on teams bringing out the best in others. So for some of you in here, that will be your volunteer team for others of you, that will be a paid staff team. Well, there was a guy that I met right just a couple of minutes ago as I was setting up my computer. He said, I wasn't able to make it in this class, but the title of this class is My Prayer for Leadership. And I thought, oh, that was beautiful. 
Because really, if you go into your leadership role with that being your prayer, how do I bring out the best in others? I think you're going to be a successful leader. So what I want to do is I just want to pause and let's thank God for just this day to be alive and ask God's spirit to do his work. So Jesus, pray for these men and women, most of them that I don't know, but you know their heart and you know their situation. You know their hurdles. You know what they're good at and what they're weak at. Now I pray that my words would get out of the way, that you would take my broken and inadequate words and thinking through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you refresh us with some idea, some thought, some tip, um, some movement that we could take back and apply in our setting right away? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I came back from a trip to Mexico several years ago, and it was the biggest mission trip our church had ever taken. We took over 500 teenagers across the border into a foreign country. We had 20, 30 vans. We sp- it was a logistical nightmare. One of the most difficult times of, of my life as a leader. And I came back to the church, and you know what it's like if you've ever led an event, you don't have to have youth ministry experience, but you've led an event, chances are you're the last to leave, right? Because people are like leaving chairs and sleeping bags and different things like that. And so when you're the last to leave, it's kind of discouraging, it's kind of, uh, you know, kind of depressing. But I get in my car, finally, everybody's gone, the trip is over, it's time to go home. I'm leaving the church parking lot, and my pastor drives up in, in his car. And so we kind of pull up next to each other like, you know, the cops do when they eat donuts together. And, uh, you know, we're talking out of their eats. And and I was like a... I was like a little puppy dog. I was like, you know, like, okay, you know, tell me I did a good job. I've just been, I'm tired. I've been gone all week. It was a big movement in the church, the whole bit. And my pastor says, doesn't ask me a thing about the trip. He says, do you know how many people we baptized the week after Easter? Because that was the week that we were gone. It was our, our spring break. And then he went in to talk about the baptism and the whole bit. And there was this moment that I had where I just thought, golly, you know, people are leaders. If we could only lead like we want to be led. Okay. So you just think about that. If you, could, if you could only lead like you want to be led. That right there is a game changer. What is it that you as a leader want from the people that are over you? What I wanted at that time is I wanted some recognition. I wanted some affirmation. I wanted some that of boys. I wanted some, you know, whatever it might be. Now, that's not necessarily a slam on that leader. He's an amazing, amazing man, amazing leader, amazing pastor, preacher, the whole bit. But here's the reality. Every leader is a bundle of strengths and weaknesses, They just are. Every leader is a bundle of strengths and weaknesses, and everybody looks better from a distance. But the reality is, a lot of times we come to stuff like this, and we look at these other people that are, oh, they're amazing speakers, amazing leaders, from a distance. Can I just tell you that leadership is really not about comparison, because anytime you compare, you will lose. Anytime you compare, you lose, because you're going to want to go one of two ways. One, you're going to move to an area of pride, right? That's a loss. Or you're gonna feel bad or insecure about yourself, and, and that's a loss. So that is, you know, as we start this thing talking about leadership and how do we bring out the best in others, I just wanna to say to you, quit trying to be Andy Stanley. Quit trying to be Reggie Joyner or Beth Moore or whoever your superhero is. You know, be, be yourself. Be yourself because when you're authentically yourself and you lead how you wish you were led, 
you're going to be an amazing and a great, a great leader. So I've had the privilege to lead a lot of teams. I've had the privilege to pour into a lot of people over 35 years of, of ministry, 30 years in, in the church, and then the last five years, I started a company called Download Youth Ministry, and we have a team of leadership, a uh, team that I think is a pretty amazing team. But what I'm finding more and more about the church is that, you know, when I'm with youth, youth workers, I'll say, how many of you, well, let's just ask you this, how many of you wish you had more volunteer leaders? Let me just... You wish you had more volunteers, right? So you look around, you go, okay, we have, we have a leadership problem, but I don't think that's the real leadership problem in the church. I think the real leadership problem in the church is that you and I, in our church environments, we're not very good at developing other leaders. I have a buddy of mine, met him on a church softball team, came to Christ a little bit, long story fun, owns a restaurant called Boneheads. And um, he, because I was instrumental in his life, tra- he, it, it's funny, you, this is the guy that changed my life. And I always am explaining to him, no, more, that was Jesus, okay, that I just, I just helped you meet him, all right? But I get to eat at his restaurant for free, and so I go there all the time, I sit in a booth, I put on my headphones, and I work, but a lot of times he'll be in the booth behind me, and he, he takes his cooks and his employees and he does to them what I've never seen in the church. He coaches them up. He cares for them. I'm like, dude, Morgan, if you could get into the church culture, he goes, no, no, everybody does this in business. And I go, well, maybe they do in business, but they, they don't do it in the church. In 30 years working in the church, you know how many times I've been critiqued on my speaking? One time, okay? I was the number two preacher at Saddleback Church for 19 years. One time did I get any evaluation. One time my pastor told me that my weddings that I do are too long. Okay, your your weddings, they need to be shorter. Okay, you know, that was it. We're just not very good at developing people, right? Wouldn't you say that? That a lot of times, you know, we have a little, I need to hire a children's person or I need to hire this person. We have it on our task list and then we check it off when we finally get that person and then we turn our back on them. And... I think we just, you know, that's why I love the fact that you're, um, you're, you signed up for this or there's nothing else open and you came to this, whatever it was. But, you know, to be a developer of leaders, to bring out the best in others, you have to be intentional about it. It's not, axi- it's not accidental. We don't have to be intentional about getting older. We're good at that. We don't have to be intentional about becoming more, you know, relevant. Maybe we do. I don't know. But we've got to be intentional about developing leaders or else our leadership, our message, our values, our heart dies with us. So I think leaders have to decide if they want to leave a legacy of one or a legacy of many. I think if you want to bring out the best in others, you have to give up your pride. You have to move your ego to the back seat. As a matter of fact, what would be a better move is to kick your ego um, out of the car altogether. And I realize that those of us in the serving ministry, especially those of you in children and youth, you don't get a lot of strokes. You don't get a lot of encouragement anyway. And so anytime you do, you know, like you preach your heart out and a kid comes up to you and they think, you think they're going to say, Pastor, that was the greatest message I've ever heard. You know, I just love the way that you teach. They say, uh, can I borrow a dollar for a Coke? You know, it's that type of thing. So, you know, you don't, you don't get a lot of uh, that a boys and affirmation, that type of, type of thing. Um, so 
so you're, you're going like, Doug, I don't have much pride anyway. But when it comes to bringing out the best in others, when it comes to developing a team, this really it becomes an issue of what I call spotlight leadership. A spotlight leader is one that puts the spotlight on, on others. That you recognize that you could be in the spotlight because you're the primary leader, you're the point person, you're the big cheese, you know, whatever you are, but you put the spotlight on other people where they are recognized, where their gifts can be developed, where they're valued, where they're appreciated, where the audience sees them in, instead of you. I actually think to be a great leader, you have to be okay with other people getting the credit. And that's, that becomes a pride issue. Okay, and you have to make conscious choices. Is it my, you know, am I going to take the credit for this or am I going to deflect it and put the spotlight on, on others? I think some of the best leaders I've ever seen are the people that you've never heard about. They're just, you've just not heard about them because they're behind the scenes building into other people and highlighting other people and putting the spotlight on, on, on other people. Okay, so first, you've got to give up your pride. Second, I think to be a great leader, you have to give up your perfectionism. So complete this sentence with me. If you want a job done right, you need to, yeah, do it yourself. And most of us in here, we live as if that's one of the Beatitudes, right? <laughs> that, you know, we, we got it, we got to do it right. Well, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna bring out the best in others, what you have to do is you have to give away responsibility and, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got to give up the fact that not everything has to, be, has to be perfect. Now, for some of you, that's a, you know, perfectionism is a sign of control, and control is the opposite of faith, right? And so if you can't control things out in your world, you try to control other people, or you want things to be perfectionistic, and <laughs> you need to get into counseling uh, for that. But, you know, you, you, you will, I think the goal of leaders is you want people to be better than yourself. So my, my, uh, the person I founded uh, Download Youth Ministry with, his name is Josh Griffin, and he followed me as the high school pastor at Saddleback Church. And, you know, I told him, we, Kathy and I, we took him out, him and Angela out to dinner when we handed him the mantle, basically, you know, gave him the baton and said, Josh, my dream is that, uh, that it'll be like Doug who? Yeah, I know he wrote a bunch of youth ministry books, but, but Doug who? You know, I want you to tear apart anything that I've ever done and anything I can do to up, you know, help you. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying the only reason I'm able to do that is because somebody did that for me. And for some of you in here, you've never had anybody do that for you. And so you don't know that. So I've got this guy named Jim Burns in my life. He was my youth pastor, my biggest hero. He's, he's here teaching somewhere here uh, today. He's, he's unbelievable. And when I meet somebody or somebody goes, will mention somebody's name and they go, yeah, but they're just, they're arrogant or they're cocky or they're this or they're that. Here's what I think. They didn't have a Jim Burns in their life because they're really good. I mean, that's, that person's a good person. He's doing great things or she's doing great things. They just didn't have a Jim Burns in their life to, to say it'll be okay and you don't have to make it perfect and just go and risk and take a chance and that type of thing. But, you know, to be a great leader and bring out the best in others, you got to give up perfectionism that, you know, you're, you're insecure leaders. Let me say it this way. If you're an insecure leader, you will never bring out the best in others. You just won't because insecure people want to make it about themselves. So you'll be putting the spotlight back on yourself rather than putting it. You're too busy building your own value. So these are kind of tough, but I think these are kind of starting points for bringing out the best in leaders. So insecure leaders will never bring out the best in others. Number three is to bring out the best in others, you have to give them your genuine belief. It's not just belief. 
oh, you're the greatest, you're gonna do, no, it's, it's genuine belief, like no, I really, I really, really believe in you. And if you think about the people who were influential in your life, the Jim Burnses in your life, they were, they were great at something, they were great at listening, they were great at challenging you, they were great at being present, but one of the things that they had in common is that um, they, they believed in you. And that is a really good message to have, think about this, if you could have somebody believe in you, man, it would just relieve some of your stress. It would give you a freedom to be who you are. But some of you in here are posturing all the time in your leadership because you're, get, you're trying to get somebody in your church team to recognize you or recognize what you're doing. And instead, you know, if you had somebody believing in you, it just allows you to breathe. It allows you to... Uh, to be who God created you to be. It allows you to move forward. Does this make sense? So the flip of this is that people that you're leading, if you want to bring out the best in them, you've got to believe in them and give them genuine belief. Let me tell you one more Jim Burns story. It was when I was a junior in high school. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. We were playing ultimate frisbee in the church parking lot, and I'm very competitive, and I'm sure at one point I like hip-checked a girl into the bushes or something like that in order to catch the frisbee. And afterwards, Jim pulled me aside, and I don't see him angry very often, but he kind of like, you know, pushed me against the wall. And this was the 70s when you could actually hit kids, uh, you know, in, in church. And he, you know, he said something to the effect, here's what I remember, is, Doug, you have great leadership abilities, and you've never even seen it. But you've got to make some decisions about what is most important to you, because when you care more about the Frisbee than that girl you're a jerk, okay? When you care more about winning than the people on the field, he goes, that's not leadership. You have, and he goes, I believe that you're either gonna be a great leader or like a great failure. I'm sure he didn't say a great failure, but that's kind of what I heard in my, you know, junior and high school brain. But it was just that, that was that belief, and I've held on to that belief. Um, I wrote a, a book called Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, and it became the best-selling book in the history of youth ministry. It's like in 25 different languages. Well, Jim wrote a book called High School Ministry, which, you know, in the 80s was the textbook. And Jim read my manuscript of Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, and he said, Doug, it's good. It's good. But it's not great. He goes, you need, you need more time on this. I believe this book will change the way we do youth ministry. Now get back to work. I'm like, okay, I, you know, if you believe that it will be, I mean, I just need somebody to believe. And so what I've found in the church, in leadership, everybody you're working with, they are just dying for somebody to come alongside them metaphorically and go, I believe in you. And then prove it with your, your support. So uh, now, belief, this right here, this is an intangible part of leadership. Because you can't go up to that person you work with every day and put your arm you know, on their shoulders and awkwardly stare and go, I believe in you. <laughs> go get them. You know, give them a little pat on them. But you can't do that, all right? So there's an intangible part of this, but it's very real. Because belief is a decision. Belief is a decision. Belief is a decision that you help them understand that they're wonderful, that they're valuable, that they're created to do good things, and they deserve your confidence. Now, if you're a leader of others, let me just give you a little tip. 
You know, remind people occasionally how talented they are. Remind people occasionally how talented they are. And some people will be defensive of that. Well, I just don't want them to get a big head. Look, if they're in ministry, they're not going to get a big head. Okay? And usually big-headed people are insecure people, so they need even more belief. Does that make sense? Okay? Just remind them how talented and gifted they are. Another way that you believe in them is to affirm them or encourage them. Um, that's very, very practical. Now, leaders brag. Leaders brag on other leaders, putting the spotlight on. Not just in front of his dad, but I was doing that in front of the executive pastor, the senior pastor, other, other leadership team. That's what we do. We encourage them. And by the way, praise in public, criticize in private. Okay? So praise in public. It doesn't cost you anything. And it's just a way to communicate belief in those that, that you're leading. I mean, there are so many tweetable things from what Doug Fields just said. I took a couple of them down. To be a great leader, you have to give up perfectionism. Man, that is so good. And then probably my favorite, perfectionism is a sign of control and control is the opposite of faith. Man, that is so... You see why Doug Fields has written 50 books and is so influential when he keeps dropping absolute gems like that. Hey, without further ado, we're going to throw it straight over to Sarah Bragg and Dan Scott interviewing Amber Baker. Before we dive into learning about how to get our teams on the same page and get the most out of the people that are on our teams, give a little snapshot about who you are. Great. Well, again, thanks for having me. My name's Amber Baker. I'm the family pastor at Grace Church of Glendora, Southern California. Uh, so, oh, so, you're lucky. Uh, you're so lucky. Uh, yeah. The weather died beautiful. a little on the inside because like, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah. It's a little cold here today, I have to admit. I'm not used to this. But yeah, so I'm mom. I've been married for 20 years. I have four children. I have an 18-year-old. Yes. 18-year-old who's a freshman in college. I have a 14-year-old son that's just about ready to go to high school and twin boys that are 12 in finishing up sixth grade. Wow. So Whoa. life is busy. 12-year-old twin boys. Yeah. Like, I just kind of want to like have a whole nother podcast yes, right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, I'm in full-time ministry and have been for over 20 years. So I love people. I love teams. Uh, I love families. So yes. it's a little bit about myself. Yeah, That's I love that. Great. Well, one of the things that comes with leading teams that I think a lot of times we get thrown into leading teams before you even know how to lead a team. I know that's happened to me before. Absolutely. And I just think, oh, I think yeah, it happens can, in the church a lot. Yes. Like you appear to, you like, I mean, you appear to be a good leader and you know these things. And so we put you in this leadership role and then. You, you feel a little bit like you're drowning. Oh, like, absolutely. When I first started in ministry, I was just finishing up college. I got my first full-time position. I sat down in the seat and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. None. I didn't even know how to put together an event, even though I had all this education, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I didn't know how to put together a calendar. Nobody taught me what it's like to work with different personalities and team members and schedules. I it took. I really felt like it took me a good five years to figure out what in the world I was doing. Well, and I think for me as a leader, I tend, especially in my younger days of leading, I was like, well, I just, I'm just not good at that. Maybe I'm just not good at it, and I just don't need to do that. But I think there's ways to <laughs> learn how to do it, yes, right? There's absolutely. ways to flex that muscle and to absolutely. grow as a leader, to know yeah. how to get the most of your team. So why, do you, why don't more leaders get the best out of their team? 
oh gosh, we could go a million different directions. But I think some of it is understanding your team is mm. really important. And I think as leaders, sometimes we forget we have so many tasks, we have so yeah. many things to do that we don't become students of our team. And understanding who they are and their personalities and their temperaments are so important for a dynamic team and for a team to work together. I am a certified Real Colors coach, mm, and um, yeah. it's a, Real Colors is a temperament personality training. I'm and, a yellow. Um, you're yellow? Yeah. <laughs> so I, for, like, for real for yellow. For gold yeah. all the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I'm a yellow, but are there two different kind of color things? So there's a true colors and a real colors. They're okay. very similar. There's probably other temperament things out there like that. But for real colors, there's four different colors. And what's cool is that God has made us all four colors because we are created in mm. his image, right? Yeah. And so we can have all the different types of temperament but we naturally lead out of our top two. Mm. And so there's four colors. Gold are your task-oriented, to-do list, check-it-off, um, on-time people. If you're, you know, if you're 10 minutes early, you're on time. You Guilty. have your greens that are <laughs> your analytical, deep thinkers. They often have a smaller amount of friends, um, but very deep friendships. Then you have your blues, and they're your emotional, relational people. They care about your feelings and and the emotion of the of the person they have lots and lots of friends often and then you have your oranges and they are the life of the party people that you can spot an orange usually within the first 30 seconds of being around them they're typically loud uh, they're fun boundaries are eh, kind of guidelines they have rules <laughs> but are rules right uh, they also are maybe great. I'm that I don't know. Uh, maybe you're a combo yeah. who knows you can be your own opposite and so they are people that that make it fun and that um, push you to, to think a little differently and they often work really hard but it doesn't look like they're working because they love yeah. to have fun in the process and so yeah. they'll blow in really fast work really hard and then go have fun so those are the four and so we often operate out of our top two and so in team settings it's important to understand each of your team members and not just so that you know them but so that you can speak in their language the language that they're, they, they oh, understand yeah. so if you can't go to a blue who's emotional and relational and give them only tasks. Well, you could, but you're just not going to be the best leader you right. can be. But yeah. if you go to them and, and they'll be really frustrated. Yeah. I guess, exactly. Right. Because right. they want to emotionally connect yeah. them first before you give them tasks. And once you do that, if you understand that team member that way, then you actually can get more done. That's what incredible. led you to want to like dive into temperaments. Yeah. You know, I was part of Jim Weidman's Infuse group. Oh, and yeah. uh, He's learned, a friend of the pod. He, yeah, yeah I love Jim. He's a good friend of mine and one of his coaches for his Infuse group. But the very first time I went through Infuse, he did this as a team um, of uh, for us Infusers. And I remember walking away thinking, this could be something I could use in every setting of my life, in parenting, in staff relationships, with volunteers. Yeah. It's so practical and so easy to understand so from that time first time in doing it I went and got trained and you know I think just thinking about was it gold is that what mm -hmm. you said mm -hmm. is that the task that's the task okay so I, I think I might be that you think that's that that's yeah you? I think that might be me and I think that that's I could see where that would be so hard to relate to people who are on your team who are not also task driven Correct. because I'm looking at 
the end goal. Like we got to make these things happen. Right. And if you're over there just like having fun, or you're over there yeah. crying yep. for some reason, like you know something <laughs> sweet happened, you know, I'm like, why are you crying? Like, yeah. you know, like can happening? you just like get on with right. it, please? Like <laughs> right. we need, we have right. some work to do. We don't have time right. for emotions. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I could see where that would be a really hard way for my personality yeah. and it, for any of them to be able to truly relate to that person yeah. to get the best out of them yeah. to make them love where they are and love what they're doing and give me the best results. It seems like it would be a balancing act for the leader that, that you are continually looking at the dials that you're turning. Because mm-hmm. um, Reggie says, you know, if we're all on the same page, we can accomplish more together, Correct. right? Like this whole conference is about one voice. Right. So you have these four very unique individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a life of a party who like really never wants to do anything on task, right? right? Exactly. exactly. Um, but you have work to accomplish. Yeah. So how do you do that? Is it is it an art? Is it a science? Is it a little mm-hmm. bit of both? I think it's both. Like, I think it's both. If you look at art and science, art is to be displayed, Yeah. right? And science is about the little detail and and you see science, but it often comes out as art. Mm. If you look at a, a flower or yeah. a butterfly, right? It's There is a lot of science to that, but it's it's art. And so I think with getting your team on the same page, I think the, the art pieces, that's what it looks like on a Sunday morning. What What is your team? Mm. How is your team displayed on a Sunday morning? Mm. Are, are you working together? Are our attitudes good? Are you presenting yeah. A, yeah. a united front as a team? But the science is the systems and, and the details and the hard work that you put in behind where nobody realizes. So I think getting people on the same page, you need both. Yeah. You yeah. need the systems, the the, the details, but but you have to ha- be able to have fun together and be that cohesive. Yeah, because I'm thinking there must be a lot of things you need to do as a leader behind the scenes. Absolutely. So when you are in front of all of the families that yep. are showing up each Sunday, yep. you are at your best. Absolutely. So what's happening behind the scenes then? So, oh gosh, it could be a, a myriad of things, right? But I think systems are important. Mm-hmm. I think for any getting any family on the team, family ministry team together, systems are important. So... That could be anything from, hey, you have a, a weekly report that you need to turn into me on Thursday just so I know like who you've talked to this week and you know what projects are in the works. Yeah. Or, or it could be brainstorming meetings where you're coming together and you're rethinking how maybe you do check in or how you pass out t-shirts for VBS, or, <laughs> right? So, so those behind the scenes hard work detail makes actually a difference. I think what's important to remember is that with any team, foundation of trust is really mm. important. If you can't trust your team, if you don't have relationships with them, if you don't know the ins and outs of who they are and what they like and when they're having, a, you can tell when they're having a good day or bad day, then you're you're starting with an unsure foundation. I think that's key what you just said because mm-hmm. I think a lot of leaders they they see their job description mm. yes. and their job description doesn't include right. really understanding their team. It doesn't, yeah. No. And so they, I think there's probably a lot of listeners who feel overwhelmed and they don't know where to start and they're thinking I don't have time to get to know each one of these team members on like this this basis to know what to do yeah and if you're if you have 20 volunteers on a sunday morning you're right it's going to be really difficult to get to know every single one and know all their likes and dislikes but you can get to know some yeah right find this month lord who are the key people i need to really connect with this month and and help me 
figure them out and help me to understand them. And then what's next month? So you don't have to mm-hmm. bite it all, you know, eat yeah. the whole elephant all at once, yeah. right? Yes. Just a little at a time and just asking the Holy Spirit to direct you and to, to yeah. lead you of, of what, who are the people I need to connect with now? Yeah. And over time, yeah. then that ends up oh, yeah. building that cohesive trust yeah. foundation. That's so great. So from your perspective, what percentage of our challenges with getting the right people on board in our team <laughs> yeah. are related to just not having the right people on your team? Oh, gosh, percentages. Ah, I am not a math person. Like so 73.25. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a hard one. When you're talking about volunteers, the beautiful thing in if, if we have set them up correctly mm. um, is to be able to say to them, hey, you know, Gosh, it just doesn't feel like maybe you're, it's the right fit for you. How are you feeling? Do you feel like it's the right fit? Um, yeah, because it really is probably a good chance yeah. that they feel that tension as well. Absolutely. But they feel bad saying, I, I'm going to bail on you. Right. And it'd be better to have the conversation before than than they actually bail. It yeah. could be that, you know, I thought I really loved second graders, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I found out I don't. Right? <laughs> I, I would rather rock babies in the yes. nursery, right? Yeah. And so it's better to have those tough conversations when you start to see those warning signs like, hmm there's a problem or potential problem then waiting until it gets to a, a, a critical yeah. space. Is that something that you could kind of prep beforehand? Like as you're bringing Absolutely. in someone in the interview process yeah. uh, this isn't your lifelong like it's okay if this doesn't work or yeah. like is there some prepping that you yeah. can kind of already yeah, we had uh, We were at a church years ago and they did this really great kind of one week here, one week here, one week mm, here, one week here. Like, trials. like a trial. So yeah. the first month, this volunteer was in every different space to kind of see what they felt was the best fit for them. And I loved that idea. That's a great idea. And and I know that some Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, we just need people in the, in the classroom, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I get that that seems high and lofty, but the time and investment in that will yield great results. And when you prep them and say, you know, we're going to test this out. If at any point you have some struggles or you're, you're not sure this is the right fit, come, let's talk. And then you check in with them two months later. How's it going? What are you seeing? And so that's that front end work. That's really important because it lays that good foundation staff wise. If it's a paid staff and they're not on the right, you know, is it, is it the wrong person on the bus at all? Or is it just wrong seat? Maybe you need to redefine their position. Position, but those are really tough, tough calls when it's a staff member. So, so on that, what are some tips of like hiring well? Yeah, and I, firing well. I know, I know. And I think the church, I, I think, has really struggled with this. Yeah. you know, business. You just go in there, and you're like, you're done. Like, yeah. uh, you're, right. it's just not working out. Right. Where in the church, we feel this obligation to care for yes, them as we so are we walking them are through. passive aggressive. Yes. Or we <laughs> give them so much grace. Okay, well, we'll yeah. give them a 90-day review, yeah. like right. another 90-day review. Yeah. Another 90 and, so, and, you know. and being a leader, sometimes you have to make those tough calls. Yeah. You just do. I think part of our problem as when we hire staff is we don't spend enough time truly figuring out who they are and their personalities yeah. and and how they fit on team. That's why I love Real Colors because you can actually look at your team and go, gosh, we have so many golds. We need a little more creativity than what we have currently. So we really need to be looking for a person that has this type of gift sets. That's right. Because you want to compliment yeah. your team that way. Yes. So I think sometimes we forget. And, and that could take time. Absolutely. But I... I who I don't know who has said it, but it's like 
hire slow, fire fast. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. So like that's good. do the front end work yep. of the research of who do we need? Who's yep. the best person on this team? Yep. What is the re- what is the spot we're really, really trying to fill? And that's uh, hard. Yeah. It so is. we want because we feel the felt need that right? yeah, like, like we need to get this person yeah. on immediately. Yeah, but then when the, as soon as they're like, oh wait, this is really not the right person. Yeah. Then we just have to like rip the band-aid yeah. off and and keep moving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you have the right team. Let's imagine that mm-hmm. we all live in this perfect world perfect. where we have all the right, the, all the seats filled <laughs> on the bus. Right. No one, right. No one struggles. Yeah. Right, no one struggles. Right. Okay. But. How do we work <laughs> towards alignment then? So we have, we have the people. Right. How do we get them speaking the same language right. on the same page, working towards the same goal? Drip by drip, right? <laughs> it's just this consistent process and being a broken record. Yeah, well, I don't know that many people know what a record is anymore. But <laughs> before, again, when, for when those we actually- of you who have been born before, <laughs> yeah, nineteen, yeah. But just repeat, repeat, mm-hmm. repeat. Get everybody together as often as you can, um, and however that looks, right? So a staff team that has hours in the office, great. Do you know come together for lunches and yeah. meetings and coffees and those types of things. Use the same language over and over. If it's a volunteer team, we started using Zoom as our meeting because it was really hard to get everybody to show up at the same time as schedules, this and that. With Zoom, you can be at home in your pajamas, you can be on your cell phone driving, whatever it is. And so, again, we're we're meeting face-to-face just through technology, but continually drip, 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 yeah. drip. And and Zoom, okay, Zoom, for those of oh, you that yeah. don't know, because mm-hmm. you might not, it's like a video chat capability yeah. for meetings. A lot of businesses use it, yeah. but you wouldn't need to do a paid service because you no. could do a Google Hangout or yeah. FaceTime or, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And even with Zoom, you can do, they have some free options. Oh, great. That's yeah, great. That's awesome. So it's it's been really great. We I meet with ministry leaders from across the U.S. via Zoom. Hey, I want to chat about this. And so so they just that's how we write two by two curriculum. We zoom in <laughs> our some of our writers and have creative so smart. meetings. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's a way of leaning into where technology is now mm-hmm. rather than having to have we're going to have a leader training on Sunday at one o'clock at the uh, church. Yeah, like, gone no. are those days, right. and then be super frustrated that no one's showing yes. up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. When I first started ministry, that was it Saturday morning trainings once a month. You know, we'd provide breakfast and do yeah. I, there's no way I could get people to show up on Saturday morning. I can't show up on Saturday morning. <laughs> well, and a lot of those things, soccer. like Zoom, I know you can record it. And yeah. so then le- leaders can watch it yeah. later at their convenience. Yes, it's great. Yeah. So Okay, so what advice would you have for a leader who has a team and maybe their team culture is just hanging by a thread? So uh, the thing that comes to my mind first is as Christ followers, we have to get on our knees before the Lord and say help, right? Mm. Because he's gonna he understands and he's gonna help us be creative in that i can give you some suggestions but ultimately it's gonna be the lord that directs your steps Mm. and i think again because we're busy because we have so many responsibilities we we forget as christians to stop sometimes and say whoa oh wait you can help me with this Lord. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah thanks for the reminder right yeah. and so really making a conscious effort to go before the Lord and say help what do I do how can I best serve these people how can we change the culture and I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit will just drop those thoughts into our mind it'll give us the creativity to do what we need to do so that's one and two I think if it's at a place that it's not too toxic I think having fun together makes a huge yeah. difference we had a, a meeting a, a couple weeks ago and I knew we had to get 
some tough stuff done. So I brought some cards and we played a couple rounds of speed solitaire as a team before we started our meeting. Yeah. And one of my coworkers who is um, a green all the way was like, why are we playing a game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, just trust me. I promise. And it it's fast and it's fun and we were laughing and it just broke the ice of yeah. not going to have this formal meeting where we're going to hash out some details. Um, but we started with fun. So I think fun is an important thing. Relationships are an important thing. And like you said earlier, at some point in time, you might just have to make some changes. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is we have to trust God in those changes because we get emotionally involved, right? Yeah. And there are friends and there are team members, but at some point in time, it's the kingdom that we're working for, right? Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of God. And so we have to make those tough calls of, Lord, this isn't the right place for them. And I know that you care more about them than I do. And yeah. so you're going to take care of them in this place of need. Yeah. So That's so great. So where do you... Uh, a practical tip maybe mm-hmm. of, of if you don't feel like you're strong at understanding... That's team. a great question. Like reading the people on your team, mm-hmm. what can you do to develop that in yourself? There are so many resources out there. I mean, we are not shy of resources <laughs> here in our culture now, but any kind of personality temperament, there's so many different ones out there. And just pick one that mm-hmm. speaks to you and become a student of it. Yeah. Read books, find blogs, you know, TED Talks, whatever it be to help you yeah. understand that and then just go for it. Uh, there isn't a perfect one out there, but yeah. you just want one that's simple enough for your team to understand. Uh, I, When I was working at Azusa Pacific University, uh, we are a strength-based university. And so mm-hmm. it was the first time I'd ever taken a strength finder. And I felt oh, yeah. like it was the first time it was like, oh, this is me. Someone yeah. understood me. This is me. Yes, like, right? oh my gosh. But what it didn't, I knew what you were and I knew what I was, but it, what it didn't do is it didn't tell us how to work together. Yeah. And that's the key. Whatever, as ever you search out to find what's best for your team, you want to find whatever temperament or personality or, or whatever it is to understand how to communicate with one another. Because mm-hmm. there's no point in me knowing who you are and, and me knowing myself, but not knowing how to communicate because that's the key. So whatever uh, it is, be a student of it, find yeah. it. and I think simple is great. Because, yeah. I mean, that's and one that's of the things. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's one of the things simple. I love about the colors as well because, like, I we did it with our family. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I know, like, these are my kids and this is how we yes. communicate with them. And we all know it. Yeah. And we can remember it. We yeah. don't have to remember like this name or these letters or yes, you know, exactly. all of, any of we those things. We were having a, a meeting and two of our staff members were just going round and round and we were not coming to a conclusion. And I finally said, time out. You're speaking as a green and you're speaking as a blue. And just that simple language was enough for them to realize, oh, okay, yep, I am. And because they would never see eye to eye or the green would end up winning out of the blue because the blue would feel bad that, you know, and so it's just the whole process. So it was great to have this common language to be able to say, stop, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. This now, this is how we proceed forward. So yeah. simple and the common language is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, leadership is it's a long game. It like is. it's not this sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. And knowing that even if we do know what colors we are or whatever temperaments we are, mm-hmm. we're not going to overnight oh, be absolutely not. this perfect team no. that all of this takes time, yeah. right? Absolutely. I was on staff at a church for 14 years. And by yeah. year 10, I felt like, all right, 
we're getting somewhere. This yep. is good. Like we, we're gelling. We've got great volunteers. They understand their place. They, we're, we're a great team. We've got some coordinator. You know, it just it yeah. felt good. But it was 10, ten years. years. Yeah. And in our instant gratification society, that is a foreign concept. Yeah. And so, but fight for the longevity. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep being a student. You've got this. That's great. This is great. Thank you for hanging out yeah, with us. Yeah, thank you. Don't you just love Amber Baker? I mean, she is absolutely incredible. So much wisdom in what she had to say. I, lo- I mean, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I love that she said, make having fun with your team a priority. I mean, that just speaks right to the heart, I think of a three on the Enneagram. But speaking of, she also said that leaders must be students of their teams and each individual's personalities and communication styles. Now, that drives straight into the heart of what Enneagram is all about, which really Enneagram is currently the Christian version of CrossFit. Everybody is posting about this on Instagram. They don't post about CrossFit anymore. It's all about that. I want to ask K-Daddy. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, K-Daddy, are you still there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Enneagram. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? I'm working on that. I haven't yet done that, but that's a part of my CrossFit for this year. (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. I also love what Dan Scott had to say, that leadership is a long game. It is a marathon, not a sprint. I just want to leave that encouragement with all of you guys. I know that sometimes in ministry, leadership can be daunting. You can feel tired. You can feel worn out. You can feel weak and fragile because we run at a sprinter's pace, but it is a marathon. So I just want to encourage all of you this week... Take some moments just to stop, to rest, to breathe, to be reminded that it is a marathon, to be reminded of all the miles that you've already put on the clock. Look back in the rearview mirror today and just think of how far you have come. It is a marathon, not a sprint, and sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. And once you've taken that breath, once you've taken that rest, Make sure you go over to Apple and leave us a review or a rating. We would love for you to do that. It just helps us get the word out a little bit more. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Make sure you check out today's show notes. There are some absolute gems in there today. You can find them at thinkorangepodcast.com. And as always, when you think next generation, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.